UGC. Outdated or essential? Cut through the noise and reveal the truth with our free ebook created in collaboration with VideoWise. Learn proven strategies to encourage customer reviews, leverage email marketing for sales, and boost conversion rate by 9.2%. Download the ebook for free at flowing.com/ugc. Email can actually be a very good retention tool if you know when and how to use it. And that's exactly what we will be talking about today. Welcome to Email Einstein, a podcast by Floium. It's time to start honing your inner marketing Einstein. Tune in for the data-driven tips that'll make you a marketing genius. Here you'll find email marketing formulas and tips straight from the brilliant mad scientists at Floium. It's time for your emails to start earning more money. It's time to unleash your Einstein. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Vera and Elisa here. Email Einstein. We are back in action for another week of exciting stuff. And we're really excited about today. Before we get started, Vera and Elisa here, as always, we're two email marketers at an email marketing agency called Floium. We are super passionate about email marketing. And because we love what we do, we want to share our insights with you. Floium is one of the fastest growing email marketing agencies in the world. We specialize in providing a premium, full service e-commerce email marketing experience for all of our clients. Our service is tailored specifically for your business and is designed to help increase your online retail revenue. We deliver the right message to the right person at the right moment. That's what we're all about here at Flowium. Start sending emails that generate revenue on autopilot. Our step-by-step -step course will show you how to create highly engaging email automations that can add up to 50% to your revenue. Check it out at flowium.com lc. And Vera, what are we talking about today? Retention, you guys. We are talking about all things retention. I just like went straight to it. So according to a study by GetResponse, there is a 32% chance your first-time customers will buy from you again. 32%, not bad. But that's not all. Second-time customers are actually 53%, 53% more likely to place a third order. And by the time they've placed their third order, there is an 83% chance that they will come back to your store again. That stats wow. are like crazy to me, but it's just like a good reminder of how important the yep. customer nurturing and customer retention is. And whether it's for acquisition on, or retention, you know, we are email fans and we do think that email is a great tool for both acquisition and retention. Yet a lot of businesses will approach their customer email retention strategy blindly. And as a result, they don't necessarily always get the results they want right? But the reality is email can actually be a very good retention tool if you know when and how to use it. And that's yeah. exactly what we will be talking about today with our guest. And Elisa, please introduce our very special guest. I am. So, I've literally been waiting and looking forward <laughs> to this guest. So guys, yes, we have. have Robbie Fitzwater on with us today. Robbie is Yay. like the coolest dude ever. We met him at Unspam. Are you noticing a trend here? Like all the cool people that we meet are on Unspam. Unspam. But we Pretty met much. him at Unspam, which is a, the really good emails conference back in January in Greenville, South Carolina. And it was really funny because I was there with Andre, the founder of Floium. And this guy walks up to Andre and he's like, are you Andre like the Andre? And Andre's face was like, oh no, what did I do? 
And Robbie was like, no, like my team listens to your podcast, email Einstein. So my ears perk up and I'm like, wait, I'm on the podcast. What's going on? And we had a really great time connecting with Robbie at the conference. So he is actually the founder of a marketing agency specifically focusing in retention. So also working in email called Marketing Rhythm. Robbie, do you guys call it Marketing Rhythm or do you call it MKTG Rhythm? Marketing Rhythm, right? I call it Marketing Rhythm. Okay. And just in hindsight, it's, I could have picked something that was easier to spell. Or <laughs> I know, easier, but this yeah, is like great. Telling somebody your URL, um, telling somebody what your website is, it's like, oh yeah, it's MKTG. <laughs> and everybody struggles with the word rhythm too. So naming could have been better, but I teach. So wanted to like bring this like academic component into it too, because yeah. we we always kind of pride ourselves. Like we want our, our the groups we work with to grow as marketers too. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how that name came to be and connected with you guys at unspam and was just was an absolute treat like heard andre talking in the back and i was like wait i know that voice i know that voice <laughs> he tries to offer me socks every week and i was like oh yeah that's yes. awesome andre. Like, andre and and i loved it because again we were able to connect with you guys and just yeah love the conversations love the interaction and yeah really enjoyed the unspam experience just to connect with so many great groups in the email space and and like i mentioned have followed what you guys do and have listened to your podcast for a while now again i've been so impressed by the level of quality of content and also the level of actionable insights so yeah really have been looking forward to this myself and hopefully i'm not a little bit too much of a fanboy right now and i don't i mean <laughs> I'm worrying about freezing this entire time. I've been I've been paranoid about that. So hopefully I can keep together. <laughs> Don't even worry. And so if you go, I mean, we'll we'll add links and everything, but if you guys go to Marketing Rhythm's website as well, it's so funny. Like when you go to the about section, so there's all this info about Robbie and his team and stuff. And at the bottom, like it's so, it's so humble. It's so funny because we found this out about Robbie at the conference and we were like, are you kidding me? So at the bottom, it just says, I also teach digital marketing and social media strategy as part of the Clemson MBA program as a side gig, which is like, oh, like you're an MBA professor. Are you joking? So he's like super smart guy. He also did a retention talk at Unspam. And that's why we were like, okay, we need to get Robbie on here ASAP so that he can share the same information with you guys. Cause there's so much insight that he knows from a theoretical, but also from a practical perspective. So Robbie, thank you so much. Cause we know you're super busy for taking the time out to be here. We appreciate all the love that you and your team have for our podcast. We're so, so honored and excited to have you here. So yeah. Thanks. It's very mutual. And yeah, I'm, I've been looking forward to it for a while. And yeah, like getting to contribute to see marketers grow. is like one of my favorite things. So awesome. looking forward to looking forward to making it happen. Let's do it. Let's do awesome. it. Awesome. Awesome. Let's do this. But before we go to all of the serious, juicy questions, let's do a quick <laughs> Blitz Q&A, just like to get to know you better. Okay, mm. cool, Robbie. So email or SMS? Email. Right now, like SMS is exciting. Like we can make, you can make somebody's wrist vibrate, but on the consistent basis, like the email side of things is just, yeah, yeah I think cool. a, a stronger open door. Again, that's to be decided in the future, but right now, email. Yep. Cool. We're on the same page here. Yep. Favorite city in the US beside the one you live in? Oh, not now this is now that you really have me. Um, <laughs> enjoy a lot of places. The last place I visited that really enjoyed it and kind of blew me away. I, I recently just got back from Austin, Texas. I really enjoy Austin, Texas Ooh, um, or fun. Portland. So I'm going to hedge. Awesome. I've heard Austin is amazing. Nice. Favorite childhood TV show. That's a random one, but we love random questions. You're really giving me the hard ones now. Um, We're giving you hard ones. Oh, <laughs> these are the hard ones. 
Oh my gosh, I can't, okay. I can't do any of them. Um, <laughs> These I, are great. The Rocco's Modern Life was kind of interesting. That's one of the ones that, that like sticks out. It's like that one like sticks out as like one one of those shows that like one of those early nineties uh, Nickelodeon shows. It was probably a little bit racy for its time. It kind of burned in the back of every like, like once mine brain. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I loved it growing up. Okay. If you had to pick a song that played every time you entered and exited a room, what would it be? Midnight Train to Georgia. Oh, nice. 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 That's awesome. Awesome. That is, okay. That is my go-to karaoke song and song for everything. It's just, it's great. We have to have marketing rhythm and flowing and like the two teams get together and we'll have a karaoke night one day oh that that would be that would be epic that would, that be, would be next level that would be seriously it's a shame we level. didn't do that while you guys were in green yes I we know. have we have plans for the future we yes, have plans we for do. the future <laughs> do you ever post inspirational quotes on social media i don't post inspirational quotes i post a lot of content i'm kind of boring now i post on linkedin <laughs> more than i use any other platform but mostly stuff that i think of and i try to try to share some good insights mm. and maybe they're inspirational if they are that's a, that's a double win, but I don't get into as many inspirational quotes. That's when you know you've made it right. When you're posting more on LinkedIn than you do anything else. That's when you're like, oh, <laughs> I am officially an adulting professional now. Like that's official. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't, I again, can't keep up with Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. I, again, gets gets me and my dancing isn't up to speed for TikTok yet. So. <laughs> okay, last one, last one. Socks or mattress? Socks. Yeah. I'm, 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 a, I'm a sock fan. I think you guys can. I can share you share a photo with you guys. Advina and Becca on on my team. We they made some of the best socks ever for like holiday gifts for for clients, and what? they have my face right on them. And they're kind of pretty wild. Nice, but they're yeah. Socks have a warm place in my heart. Stop. We need a pair of those. We, we absolutely need a pair yeah. here. We need Flowium socks, sweet. and we need Robbie socks. That's where that's where we're at right now. <laughs> twenty twenty two. Whatever makes you happy. You know, right? Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, Robbie, let's get into the juicy part of the podcast. So let's talk some post acquisition email marketing. Why do you think or do you actually think it's often undervalued? And why? Let's just like briefly discuss acquisition versus retention and mm -hmm. like the post-acquisition email marketing. Okay. So, so I, yeah, and I could go down a rabbit hole here. So I'm going to try and keep it at a high level. So <laughs> I spent a lot of time before I moved into like focusing on the retention side of things. I was a director of marketing at a large e-commerce organization. Mm. And I started to recognize, Hey, this is like one area where business, a lot of e-commerce, other e-commerce organizations do it well, talking with my peers and talking with others in the industry where you're acquiring customers, you're growing your business and you're focusing so much on ROAS that you don't really necessarily focus on many other areas of your marketing. And you become really, really, really dependent on one or two channels to drive a lot of your traffic and a lot of your business. Because, mm -hmm. hey, if I can acquire traffic through Google or Facebook or Instagram, I have a really strong top of the funnel strategy where I can consistently bring new customers in. But mm -hmm. that kind of leaves a lot of businesses really vulnerable. It's like having a if I'm sitting on a stool, I don't want my stool to only have one or two legs. I want to have a few legs to my stool because I'm going to be a lot more stable and I can yeah. handle situations when they come mm -hmm. up, pop up. So become being really dependent on one or two channels, especially on the acquisition side is really challenging for businesses and can be honestly really dangerous because any volatility and in, any instability 
you don't have as many other options to go with. So in terms of the acquisition side, most groups focus on, again, the paid acquisition to bring people into the top of the funnel. If you're, again, working to get those customers in, again, SEO also works really effectively on the on the acquisition side, but you want to be able to understand how to, how to con- increase the revenue that customer is going to bring in after the fact. I guess also I always kind of talk about, um, Alyssa, you heard me say this and I probably beat that horse, but like email and like the retention side of things is kind of like the person your parents wanted you to date in high school. It's kind of... <laughs> smart. It's straightforward. It's going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer one day. Um, but it's not sexy and it's not exciting the same way that the acquisition side of things is like yeah. acquisitions got a leather jacket, drives a motorcycle acquisition, sexy, like it's fast. It's right. exciting. You can see your ROAS every day. The retention side of things takes a little bit more time to build and grow, mm-hmm. but is a really, really effective way to grow a business. And where I think a lot of businesses fall flat is, Hey, there's three ways to geometrically grow a business. You can increase the number of customers. You can increase your average order value, mm-hmm. or you can increase your lifetime value. If you double any one of those three, you double the value of the business. And like, I'm always like, which, which of those three do you think most marketers focus on the most? Probably the acquisition one. The sexiness. Well, and that's the thing is (laughs) like, you have these clients. I mean, we have clients internally as well, who spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, even on a monthly basis on acquisition. And it's what you said is exactly right. Like retention is more of the long game and acquisition is more of the short term play of like, wow, Mm -hmm. look at all these people who are shopping and like clients more often than not focus on like the pre-purchase flow, for example, because they're like, well, we offer a homepage pop-up incentive of 10% off, you know, your first purchase and look how well our post-purchase flow is or our pre-purchase flow is doing or our welcome flow. And then they look at like the win back and they're like, yeah, not, it's not great. But like, they don't really care about the win back because the win back is happening happening two, three, four months down the line. When in reality, that win back, I mean, in my opinion, and this is a question that we'll ask you next, Robbie, in my opinion, that win back is going to be a lot more lucrative for you in the long run versus that pre-purchase flow where most people are just trying to get a quick discount. So you can acquire a million different people whether or not they stay is a totally different story. I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Are you building, are you building a business? Or are you building a vending machine? And like, yeah. you can build, anybody that's can build it, a that's vending, a good one. vending machine. I need to write that down. The way you can, again, build a sustainable, like again, growing business is again, focusing on that retention side. And typically when you can really work to maximize that lifetime value or keep people purchasing over and over, you can again, drive more revenue in each incremental purchase as you're educating and forming them. Oh, this product complements this product and really getting strategic to to move that average order value up along with that lifetime value. So Mm -hmm. you're generating more and more consistent purchases and you're having a more educated, more engaged purchaser, which is kind of everybody should be everyone's goal. And if you're doing that well, and you're, you're, you're using different strategies to, to keep people coming back and keep people engaged with the business, you're probably, you're probably having some fun doing it. And the groups that I think are always the best on the retention side are the groups that know their customers the best are the groups that are really living, living the lifestyle of that like they know their customer because they are that customer. And those are the ones that really have some of the most fun in building communities and building audiences and keeping them coming back and back for more. Mm. 
Yeah, I agree. Totally. And Alisa, going back to that example with uh, pre-purchase versus win-back flow, one interesting thing that I've noticed with my win-back flows is just like we discussed earlier, those flows, they have one of the highest dollar generated yep. per customer. So yep. the average order value, the obviously the historical order value and everything for that flows, it's much, much higher. Yeah. So yeah, definitely don't ignore a good uh, win-back strategy. They are here. The business or vending machine that like made my mind explode. I'm like, whoa, Mm -hmm. yes, Mm -hmm. so true. So go, I mean, focusing in on the email side of things, right? Because we love email. What do you think are some customer retention emails that every business should have? So obviously we just threw in win back, right? And I mean, that's an obvious Mm -hmm. one, but are there any others, Robbie, that you think are really like more helpful than others in terms of retaining customers or maintaining the loyalty that a customer would have to your brand? So my theory on this is, your retention job, your the work you're doing in retention starts in the welcome series and starts mm. that, in that first as you're building a building a relationship. And like with the work we do and the clients we we typically serve, we use a lot of content marketing to mm. kind of supplement the work we're doing. Yep. And so we're sharing value-added content along the course of that customer journey. Uh-huh. So we can make sure that we're serving them at different stages with different information. And we're really trying to target and segment the information they're going to get based on their use cases they're they're purchasing around. So mm-hmm. like we want to understand how someone's going to be using it, what they're looking for in that purchase, what the outcome they want to see at the end of the day is. And then when mm-hmm. we can understand who they are, what they want, what they need, we can serve them. We can make recommendations for our product catalog. that's going to be relevant to them. We can serve up value-added content that helps them make a decision. We can help, again, keep them engaged through content in that in the welcome series, but also in the post-purchase sequence when we're sharing content around how, how like this is, again, your order's on its way, but here's how you can get the most out of it. So mm-hmm. like for like an example, like a coffee business that we work with, like we have content coming, like starting like basically the day after their like we're, we're sharing content basically the day after their purchase, like asking mm-hmm. them how they grind their beans so they can make sure that they know different course, different levels of grind level to improve their experience or mm-hmm. how do they brew their coffee so we can share our brew guides to make sure that they're going to be able to enjoy that product as much as possible. And then during the course of that time, we're we're communicating and educating them around all the other great resources we have because our mm-hmm. goal there is we want to make a good purchaser and turn a good purchaser into a great purchaser. And if mm-hmm. we can really keep them engaged, like attention is the attention is one of the hardest commodities to come by, yep. but it's even harder to maintain. Yeah. So you've got so to really true. work to earn so and maintain true. that attention over time. And uh-huh. if you're doing that by building a relationship, you're going to be a lot more successful in the process of in building an audience and keeping that audience coming back and purchasing. Yeah. I guess I always feel like I was kind of like, like came into e-commerce a little bit later in my career. I spent the majority of my career working in social media as like director of social for Columbus mm. university. And again, so much of the work I was doing was like, Hey, how do we build an audience? How do we maintain that audience? And when I got into the e-commerce space, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm doing the same thing I was doing in the social space. I'm just, again, doing it without battling an algorithm. So I own that audience. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also three steps closer to the cash register. So yeah. it's, it seemed like it was cheating. So it was really wow. kind of exciting, but 
adding value through the, con- the customer journey is one, I think, one of the most underutilized ways to making sure that you're going to be onboarding that customer smoothly and then turning them into a great customer over time. Mm-hmm. So the more expertise you have internally that you can share with that customer, the more value you're going to add through That's that process. So true. Yeah, so true. And many brands don't look at the post-purchase sequence as the customer sort of like a nurturing. Mm-hmm. A lot of brands that we worked with, like before we started working with them, they just had like two post-purchase emails and that's it. Yep. And we here in Flowium, we believe in that like customer nurturing, especially in that time between the purchase and between the time that they actually receive their order. Mm-hmm. We don't want them to have any like post-purchase remorse. Is that how it's called? Yeah, buyer's remorse. Or like buyer's remorse. Yeah. And uh, we want them to provide as much love, care and value as we can. And we even like grouped it in like three big categories that we are trying to deliver in our emails. So we try to make our emails either educational, inspirational, or just like fun. So that's pretty much what we are trying to do with our emails. And yeah, I I definitely, I definitely agree with you that post-purchase sequence is in fact a very undervalued flow. And content as well. I have to agree with that because that's something that Mm -hmm. we try to push a lot of the time with different brands and stuff. And there's always this kind of like, no, I don't want to just email them for the sake of emailing them. And it's, it's not. (laughs) Yeah. The value added content gives you an app back. Yeah. Basically we're giving ourselves an excuse to like, I always think about like, Hey, what if, what if every email we sent like costs more, it was more expensive. Like what if every email we sent costs like five cents? Like, would we send as many emails? No, but we'd probably be a lot more intentional about every email we did send. Mm-hmm. So like how, if we took that same approach to it and really That's respected the, the, per, the person's inbox, we really need to make sure that we're delivering value every time. Yeah. So it kind of takes us through a thought experiment of really making sure that it's going to be valuable. It's going to be engaging. And one of the best parts about that content is, hey, like we know that we're, again, using that content through campaigns. But if you're using it in campaigns, you can... Like I always call it like using the whole Buffalo, like let's automate it afterwards. Like we know it's a high performing campaign. Mm-hmm. Let's automate that content in a place that it's going to be relevant and make sense in that customer journey. Yeah. And then recycle the content probably the next year. If it's super contextual to yeah. like this, how to make like cold brew coffee. Like that's all, of, there's lots of different ways to use it. And especially if a group is working with a SEO partner, that's where there's some real opportunities because again, an SEO is going to be looking at who's driving traffic, what's going to drive traffic at the top of the funnel. What are the common questions that that category's purchases are finding they're having trouble with? And then you can work to kind of onboard them in a really smooth way. So you know that you're addressing the questions they may have. So it expedites that purchase process on the front end, but also helps them enjoy the experience afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then I always kind of joke around like marketing channels, like SEO plus email is like a one plus one equals three relationship where it just both really (laughs) complement and supplement each other so well that it's a really great a great way to kind of build that marketing flywheel. And I guess the other, I feel like we always bring email back to like, like analogies with like relationships and stuff. But like, as everyone's talking, I'm like, oh, this is kind of like when like, there's like a guy, for example, who like likes the girl and he literally is everywhere she is constantly pursuing her, like going after her, texting her all the time, all of this, all of that, (laughs) whatever it is, like doing everything he can to get the girl. And then once he gets the girl, he disappears. Like he ghosts her like, oh, I got the girl. Like, 
like I'm done. Right. And (laughs) I feel like a lot of brands act like that towards customers. So before the potential customer makes their first purchase, I mean, they are constantly reaching out ads everywhere, reaching out to you. How can we make your experience amazing? Because sometimes customer service will even reach out to you if they go that far, constantly emailing Mm -hmm. you. And then as soon as you make the purchase, they disappear. They don't care about you anymore. They're not sending you any content. They're not continuing to engage you with the brand because they think we got to purchase out of you. We're done. And that's a really bad, bad, bad way to go about things. Because now that the person has shown interest because they purchased with you, that's when you really want to drive home the content, drive the connection, drive the engagement with that customer because you have them basically. And now the potential for them to become really loyal is huge. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting that people want to do it the other way around. It's the acquisition thing, right? It's what you said. It's a lot sexier in a leather jacket than it is with a a lab coat (laughs) or a law law degree. It's (laughs) like later on down the road, again, you're going to thank yourself for it. But early on, early on, it's not, it's not like the sexy, sexy part. I get, yeah, it was Mm -hmm. like, talk about like building out your email ecosystem like investing your 401k again not fun to do when you're 20 but like when you're 65 you're gonna be so happy you did it and it doesn't take till you're 65 but building that in a thoughtful methodical process really really helps and plus after they purchase like you know what they purchased you know what Mm -hmm. they may want afterwards Mm -hmm. and like you have so much more great data that you can leverage after that and that's where you can consistently improve upon right but retention strategies, they must be like different for different types of brands. So for example, for the company who's that is selling like mattress versus company who's selling socks, our favorite example ever, how their strategy uh, will be like different? Like what would be the biggest difference and how to approach those like mattress companies, you know what I mean? So from that perspective, like, and I, I don't want to get like too nerdy and like business from that perspective, are they a mattress company or are they a sleep company? And like, do they need parallel oh. products or do they need products in line with what that purchasing purchaser needs? Mm-hmm. So like even looking at some of the current mattress businesses, like Casper, like I forget, like I should like tough and needle um, a few of those other mattress companies, like they're sleep companies. They want to have an extension mm-hmm. of like, okay, purple also has pillows. Purple also has items that are, will help supplement the sleep process. Mm-hmm. Those are ways that they can extend the lifetime value of that customer because that mattress ideally is going to be like a once every 10 year purchase. So other ways that you can introduce products that are complementary and supplementary to that existing product offering, because you want to tee yourself up for success from the business perspective. And you want to give yourself the room to give, Hey, once we have that first purchase, how do we extend extend that lifetime value? So some of it's Mm -hmm. like a business strategy component, but also like being strategic and the growth of the business along with the growth of the communication and email, I always think is is kind of important. But if you are kind of like a one trick pony and one purchase, like thinking about that in terms of like, how do we grow the, grow this in terms of like our, our product offering or our business offering, but also like wouldn't necessarily be like, how do we again, cross sell with, if we partner with other brands, how can we cross sell there? Or how could we mm-hmm. refer others over so we can kind of walk them through, get others who may be in line with that same purchaser to purchase the same product for like, again, getting their friends on board, getting them again, excited about a product and right. people buy people buy products because they get recommendations from people. And really that social proof goes a long way. So really developing that relationship in a really strong way. The customer value doesn't end just because they don't purchase twice. The customer value extends when they can refer somebody else in and help leverage your retention channels for an acquisition channel too. Mm, Yeah. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So loss of third-party data, which it's, I mean, that's another rabbit hole, right? So owning the relationship that you have with customers, particularly right through email, it's super, super, super important. So do you Mm -hmm. think that email will be affected? And what do you think makes a good customer retention email strategy in 2022? And how will that be different when we're losing third-party data? There's a lot, there's a lot in like multiple questions. It's a loaded loaded (laughs) question. So, okay. So for third-party data, this is like an area, again, like I'll I'll bring in like the social, social media marketers hat. Like we've worked in, I started working in social media marketing in like um, basically 2008. Like we started, um, we started using it um, when I was in school. I helped manage a running shoe store in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We'll pick, so we go Arkansas. Making a shameless plug for Arkansas, but I realized, <laughs> hey, we're doing something good here. We're growing the business, and like we would put stuff on, we would like share something on Facebook, mm. and like we would have some fun with it, sharing content on Facebook. But we recognize, like, hey, we're selling through like entire shipments of clothing before it's touching the sales room, the sale floor, and because people are commenting and engaging on our content there, but after like around like 2011 or so, like Facebook started to change its algorithm where we suddenly lost a little bit of audience and we lost, basically we realized like we're not building our house on owned land. We're building our house on rented land. And that's kind of the world I lived in for so long, basically from like 2000, like entire time I was spent my career in social where again, you're building, you're building an audience and that audience is kind of getting taken, getting taken away from you because that platform has to monetize and they need to keep driving engagement. So again, we work really hard to continue to do that, but it makes you keep evolving as a marketer. And like, again, mm-hmm. I kind of, I hate Facebook for so many reasons. And I was always like, I hate Facebook, but I kind of love Facebook because they've made me a lot better marketer. And I think the loss of third-party data, this is going to force a lot of groups to be better marketers. Like we, mm-hmm. we may not have as many resources on the acquisition side. So we're really going to have to focus on developing relationships on the retention side. So basically like, each of those customers may cost a little bit more, which means I'm going to have to drive a little bit more value in the long term out of those customers. Or I'm going to have to get really smart about my acquisition strategy. I may need to make sure that I'm focusing on bringing in the right customers, not just like everything. So, am I working to get the right customers in the front, in the door, and then am I working to make basically retain those customers afterwards? So, from the perspective of how do I do this better from the email side, how am I working to collect data and leverage that data during the course of that customer journey? So. Basically, Mm -hmm. I always think about like, how am I asking for your data? Like, again, you have to have some kind of transaction there where you're, you're, you're giving them some value to get some value, but also over the course of that customer journey, how do I, how do I build the credibility and social proof that they're willing to share that data when later on in that customer journey, how do I earn the right to ask for that data Mm -hmm. and being able to like take them farther and farther down that customer journey really helps me because I can ask for like, I have one client in the equestrian space. Like we asked for their horse's name. We get their horse's name. We asked for a horse's birthday. Like (laughs) they, we're not going to ask that out of the gate, but like, how do we build a relationship where we can have some reciprocity there and the more Mm -hmm. actionable data and insights we can leverage later on. Those gives us great opportunities to communicate and celebrate with our customers. And those are ways that that loss of first part, that third party data is going to make it more challenging mm-hmm. on the front end, but it's also mm-hmm. going to make us all ideally better marketers. And so for those e-commerce yeah. entrepreneurs out there, those mar- e-commerce marketers, it's going to make them work a little bit harder and possibly be a, lot, a little bit more intentional about what customers are bringing on the acquisition side, but also how they're really working to make, take those customers through a journey that drives as much incremental revenue from each of them as possible. Yeah, no, I totally agree. There is this like joke 
joke in marketing in marketing field like what do marketers and sesame street monsters have in common they all love cookies and like <laughs> we do love cookies <laughs> but we actually want to make our emails as intentional as possible and i think sometimes cookies actually hurt yeah. both in real life and in marketing so we were <laughs> we I rely a lot on cookies we we do like with, <laughs> with some of our flows that's what we base them on yeah yeah but with like email is a bit different because right now at least right now i don't know what's going to be in the future but google says it's only planning to phase out the third-party cookies mm. on its browser so it means that you can still like track basic data about your websites and visitors and stuff it's just you will not be able to rely on like third third-party yeah. cookies and you can't get yeah. that data we're not gonna be able to get as much data from other parties but if we're mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. we're collecting it on our own site on the individual sites yeah. like it may and that's where like it's understanding how how that's going to work to like what are, what actions are people taking on your site how can you align that with what behaviors you want to see on the other side too so like how do you how do we see those actions and like i know you guys are really like do some really impressive stuff on like the again popovers and how do we send different popovers on different pages mm. based on the intention of that person and really i mean like so much of this work comes down to just empathy and just like how well can you put yourselves in the shoes of your customers and yeah. view things through their perspective. And if you can take that lens, like it really opens up doors for a lot of creativity, a lot of fun, and hopefully a lot of like profitability for the business because you're making that process fun. You're making it engaging and you're aligning it with what they need at each step. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They say that when you can't use email to win their business, use it to win their hearts. And I feel like... We're going to win so many hearts <laughs> when we'll start delivering like more relevant, more targeted mm. messages when we own that like data yeah. on each and every customer. Yeah, I think I think this change, even though it's scary, it will make email marketers a bit more intentional. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Honestly, I always think like, like how does it's going to give email marketers a bigger seat at the table, truthfully. Like it's it's going to make email suddenly going to get a little bit sexier. That, that leather jacket's going to have some holes in it. It's like the, the motorcycle tires are flat. Like, yeah, email's not, it doesn't always get the, the attention it deserves there. But I think that's something that'll put it a little bit more into the mm -hmm. forefront of like, this is going to be important. This is how we need to focus. And like, seeing that kind of happening in so many businesses right now, like everybody's looking at the subscription, subscription, subscription-based business models, like, because like that consistency in revenue, but they, you get that consistency in revenue from like those repeat purchases, like Spotify makes like $15 a month, 10 or $15 a month, month over month, over month, over month. And like that adds up over time. It doesn't mm. stop like one large purchase from Spotify. Mm -hmm. You make those purchases month over month, over month. Right. And that's where I think more attention is being placed. I think like a lot of SaaS businesses have kind of like helped some people reframe the way that they look at that retention side too. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, for sure. So an, another aspect of retention marketing that we internally, we try to kind of not push this on our clients, but we talk a lot about. So I know we'd love to hear kind of your take on it, but using customer centric loyalty program or some kind of loyalty program and using that to really connect with customers. What would you say? I mean, what's your kind of view on that? So like the loyalty program, like like we talked about earlier, it, like for so many ways, it gives us an at bat. Like we get a we get to celebrate our customers, we get to reward our customers, mm -hmm. and then afterwards, like it gives us a chance to follow up to make sure, that like, hey, like you earn these points, like make sure you get these points. And mm -hmm. some businesses, like this, is an area where I think some businesses are doing some cool things too, with like taking their like building in some ways, like again, they're building a loyalty program, so they get points, they get rewards, but also like a lot of I think the businesses that are doing this really well are like they're 
building exclusivity around their business in terms of like, Hey, once you're part of this loyalty program, like you get exclusive access right. to our, like you're a VIP. We let's treat you like a VIP. I follow a lot of, like, I think some of the big, the most innovative brands in marketing right now are in the women's cosmetic space. Mm. So like, like a Glossier or a, um, mm-hmm. like, like I, yeah. I, I love Glossier. Love I'm not a, again, not wearing it myself. I mean, maybe on the weekends, but, um, there are like, I'm always like, Hey, I'm asking my wife, Hey, can you send me that, that email you got from Glossier? Like, I just want to see it. Like, what was this experience like, but like they have a private Slack channel for all of their super fans where they can communicate with them and engage with them oh, and answer really? questions. Wow. And it's really cool because like you have your, you have your super fans, you're building a community and that community That's is like, like ambassadors again, pretty much. Yeah. Like they're in your ambassadors. And like, they're your marketing researchers too. Like, Hey, how would you, des- how would you describe this product? Like if this product were a celebrity, who would it be? Like they're asking questions that are giving them a lot of valuable insight into the business, but the, you're, they're your super fans and like treat them like super fans. And that's where I think some of those, that some loyalty programs and that community based program, like it takes a while to kind of build that into the system. But I think that's one of the biggest invest, biggest opportunities for marketers today is like, how do we get people excited? How do we get people to feel like they're part of something through the work we're doing and through wow. again, kind of that, the per, that experience we're, get, we're providing. And th- it goes outside of like, what would again be naturally like traditional marketing, but it goes into like, how do we, how do we add value to their lives in, in a way that like they're, they're, they're looking for some kind of connection and some kind of meaning. Slack channel right. is like next level. I never even yeah, thought I, of I that. Never, I've never heard about it. That's amazing. I heard about like the Facebook, like closed Facebook community. Yeah. A lot of our clients are doing them. But Slack channel, this is like a next level. Yeah. And yeah, you do have access to all this like amazing data that you can collect firsthand from, from the people who are your super fans. That's an amazing idea. Wow. I love it, Robbie. Yeah, I need that. That's, that one, yeah. that's I need one that in I my love. life. I love like, I know groups that do like the Facebook, the private Facebook channel like that. That's an all, mm-hmm. another awesome place to do it. I'm always a little bit skeptical. Again, like you're building your house on rented land. Even groups on Facebook are always like a little bit. Yeah. It's, it gives me a little bit of pause, right. but the time investment, it's going to be again, a lot of, a lot of work on the front end, but if you can build that community that like I was joke, like a uh, yeah, content, content builds community and community typically will drive commerce. So yep. like, if you can be like kind of like Starbucks wanted to create that third place where people can gather and connect. And like, if your business can do that in a digital space and bringing people together around mm-hmm. common interests and common passions, that's the businesses that are going to really continue to thrive moving forward. Mm, I love it. Nice. I love it. Oh my gosh. The Slack channel, like my mind is blown. <laughs> if you guys, if you guys, if, if, if either of you can get into it, I don't know. I, I maybe, I may get some funny looks if I'm trying to like get into the Slack channel. Um, I may have to, yeah. yeah, but it's again, have the work being done in the, the, like in the cosmetic space, like the lifetime values are so high and again, the, the margins are really high too, but like once groups are in there, like they're do, that's where some of the really innovative things are happening because it is a dogfight for so many of those customers and mm-hmm. the level of competition mm-hmm. is just raising the bar. And it's really kind of fun to see that being a place where a lot of innovation and marketing is happening right now. So I always look at that as like, that's one of those like North star examples of like groups that are doing it really well. Right. What about the groups who are doing it? Not really well. What are some common customer retention mistakes you've seen in the, in the industry? What are the 
mistakes to avoid. Going back to like the like the the hard sell, hard sell before that conversion. Again, starting so starting too aggressive, too hard, and like again trying to like mm-hmm. like trying to go in for a kiss like an eighth grade boy. Like, just, like <laughs> you're, you're way too early. You haven't you haven't you haven't gotten to that place yet, dude. Slow down. <laughs> Like, again, we're, everything comes back to a, to a relationship analogy, yeah. but basically like that little bit too hard sell, but also continuing that afterwards too. I think once businesses get into the place where they're, they're selling, they're selling, they're selling, it turns a business from like, a, again, communicating to a used car a lot really fast, mm-hmm. yep. like where every day is a sale, every day is a promotion. And it really burns their customers out really fast because if everything is a sale, then you're, if you're, if every day is a sale, then you're not having a sale ever because you're always the same consistent rate. Yep. So yep, yep, yep. you have to build a little bit of tension in there if you're going to have a promotion. And like, definitely like you need to look at like, what does my promotional calendar look like? How do I be intentional with it? But like, you've got to build up that mm-hmm. tension before you can, you've got to blow up a balloon before you can pop it. And you've got to build that tension over time. And as you're adding value, consistently communicating you're hopefully building anticipation ahead of time too. And then once you do have a promotion, you can kind of pop that balloon and then you can give your VIPs access to it early maybe. But like consistency and just like beating the drum of promotions is I think one area where you can really turn people off, burn people out. And they're not, you kind of commoditize your product in so many ways because you're not building a relationship. You're not building an experience or a relationship on anything other than price. If price is the only thing you're doing, you're not really kind of like doing it well, I always kind of talk with groups like you're never going to out Amazon, Amazon, but you can probably out human them. And that's where we really want to focus on, like really growing the business and like being more human, like caring more and giving them a reason to come back and purchase for me as opposed to like make that second purchase on Amazon or look for the price every time. And the groups that are really kind of commoditizing their products are the ones that are not fo- are like just going too heavy on the sales side. Where do you get these one-liners, Robbie? Is that like a requirement to become a professor, an MBA professor? Because they're like unreal. <laughs> if you spend a day here, like um, Zena <laughs> on my team is like around, like I can see her eyes rolling right now. For years, I, I've come up with a lot of bad marketing analogies and like that's how I communicate. So yeah, I could go for days. Don't oh get me started gosh. on like oatmeal chocolate chip cookies or like using the whole buffalo. And yeah, I could go for days. Oh my gosh. Um, no, they're amazing. They're ama- I, I'm like, I can't write them down fast enough. Like you can't out Amazon, Amazon, but you can out human Amazon. That's like, like these like golden nuggets. I need to, I need to listen to this podcast. Sure we're going to use them. We're going to use those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, the one that I wrote down 100% is the, are you building a business or a vending machine? That's like, the, that is, if you <laughs> don't remember anything from this podcast episode after listening to it, you have to remember that line. Are you building a business or a vending machine? And that's like your question that you have to ask yourself every day when you wake up in the morning, am I building a business or a vending machine? And then go from there. It will help <laughs> you make your decisions. Robbie, thank you so much for your time today. Honestly, like this has been so insightful and there are just so many like key principles that I think deep down we all know because they sound like common sense, but then you hear it in real life and you're like, oh yeah, like I need to be a lot smarter about this. So thank you so much. There's a, it's a very, it's very obvious why you have your own agency with lots of clients, but also why you're an MBA professor. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, hey, you again, I like, again, I, my, one of my goals is, is empowering the next generation of great marketers and like 
again, I respect it when I see it too. So like, again, shout out to you guys for, for doing a great job and like making this podcast great. I'm, it's an honor to be part of it and good on you guys for, for building this community here. So thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so Robbie, we'll add a link to your agency site on the podcast, like description and everything. So you guys can check out Marketing Rhythm if you want to know more about what Robbie and his team are doing. But um, is there anywhere else that people can find you, like whether it's on LinkedIn or anything else? LinkedIn LinkedIn is probably the easiest way. Again, I feel so lame. I wish I could be more active on Twitter (laughs) or Instagram, but again... TikTok, you know? Yeah, I mean... I, maybe maybe my dancing will step up in the, in the coming days, but um, LinkedIn's probably the best place to reach out and connect. And that's where I probably share the majority of the content I'm sharing awesome. and trying to be active there just to, yeah, continue to be, stay relevant. That's it's, it's a battle we're all facing. Yeah. Right. Relevance. It's that's the only thing that anyone cares about these days, which is rightly so rightly so. Okay. Well, awesome. We'll make sure we include Robbie's link to his LinkedIn. So then that way you can continue to get these gold nuggets that we got today on our episode. We're, we're sharing, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I need to make myself accountable. We're sharing more content through marketingrhythm.com on our blog too. So you'll probably find more content there. And even some of our team, the team is sharing content there too. So mm. some, hopefully some good insights. And I truly have like an awesome team of people to help me work on those. So give a shout out to them for, for bringing those to life. Are, that's not an easy, you guys know, as a content creation process, it's, it's not, not easy. easy. It no, takes a village. Not. And no. like, it's, it's yeah. amazing having great, great team of people in place yeah. to do that. Yeah. The team makes everything. They really do. Awesome. Thank you again, Robbie. Guys, thank you all for listening. As always, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. And if you like what we do, make sure that you leave us a review. And once you leave us a review, make sure you visit us at flowium.com slash socks. When you go to that link, you'll be able to fill out a type form questionnaire where it'll ask you for your name, your address, not because we want to stalk you, but because we want to share your (laughs) Flowium socks with you and send them your way. So make sure that you also include a screenshot of your review and then we'll get those socks out to you. And uh, yeah, as always, come back next week. And next week, we actually will be talking about how should you optimize your emails for dark mode, which is like a big, big topic in the industry right now. Um, So definitely come back um, next Tuesday. We hope to convince our one of our like lead designers to join us. So finger crossed, she'll have time for us. Yeah, (laughs) she'd be Marcy, if you're listening to this, you're going to be on our episode next week. (laughs) Yeah, you you don't know it yet. No pressure, no pressure pressure whatsoever. (laughs) And yeah, we hope to to see you guys here next Tuesday. And Robbie, thanks again for coming. We're literally taking notes as you were speaking. Typing with those like one liners. Yeah. <laughs> Type if you heard the typing in the back, please don't it's, be offended. We were like literally taking the notes. Yes. Seriously. <laughs> hey, we, this is fun. This is where this is where everybody grows. And again, mm. like it's it's not easy to do. Like you guys share great content all the time. We learn from you too. So like takes a village here. Yeah, it really does. Thanks again, Robbie. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you guys next week. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to email Einstein. Can you feel that? Your marketing brain just got a little bit bigger. We ask that you please use it wisely. You've got all the theory you need to get out there and start boosting your sales because great emails equals revenue squared. 
Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to claim your free ebook and learn how to drive conversions with UGC in 2024. From fresh ways to use UGC on your website to revenue pooling email strategy. Discover actionable insights to master your UGC game in 2024. Stop missing out. Go to florium.com slash UGC and download this ebook for free.